It's great to be here with you again for Rick Bonfin Ministries Bible Study. Welcome everybody listening on the podcast. Welcome all of you watching on LatterRain.com. All the way, all over the world, wherever you are, praise the Lord. Amen. Well, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a powerful sermon to the group that was there. And the response to that sermon was such that 3,000 people became Christians in one day. And uh, we were kind of looking at this as a, as, as a group yesterday morning and, and noticed that it was 9 a.m. It was 9 a.m., in the, 9 o'clock in the morning, when the whole thing started. And if you think about... Now, Peter's sermon, you know, it wasn't... You can't think of it as, you know... Like a hour, a one-hour service where the you know the preacher preaches for twenty minutes and has an altar call. No, it says that with many other words, you know. In other words, and then three thousand people were saved and baptized. So think about how long it would take to baptize three thousand people. That's kind of what we were wrestling with, right? Because when we go to Cuba, we baptize four hundred people in the beach, and that takes a couple hours, really, and. So, to baptize 3,000 people, they had to have been exhausted by the end of it. I mean, we were tired after baptizing all those people at the beach in Cuba. We were worn out. I remember me and Pastor Rick were trying to find a place where we could, uh, you know, get out of our saltwater clothes, and my shoes were ruined, which is fine, praise the Lord. They had sand and saltwater on. I've never worn them since. But I still have them as a memento, right? For that moment, I got to participate in a baptism of 400 people. But 3,000 people were saved in one day and baptized with water in the name of Jesus Christ and also received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the question that begins to come in is, what, what in the world does it take for something like that to happen? And is that still possible today? Right? Because... Honestly, if you think about the response there in verse 37, where the response begins, it says, when they heard this, when they heard Peter's sermon, when they heard the word, right? They were pricked in their heart. In other words, they just, something happened inside of their hearts that hadn't happened before. In other words, they, the same people that, have, that saw the miracles of Jesus, as Peter said, they, they saw it all. But their hearts weren't pricked yet. They, they weren't cut to the heart. They weren't convicted. Why? Well, because now the Holy Spirit begins to activate in the world because Jesus has now ascended. Jesus said, if I don't go to the Father, then the Holy Spirit won't come. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict. And that's one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. And so on the first day that the Holy Spirit is released upon the human race, you see unbelievable conviction coming over people in a way that's never happened before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wasn't here to convict yet. It was here, as Betty told us, in a limited way. Right? Moses, David, the prophets were receive of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't poured out. As Peter said, the prophet Joel is going to be poured out. Now that the Spirit is poured out, you see conviction happening in a way that is unprecedented. 
Now, what kind of, what kind of, if you've ever been in an environment where there's conviction going on, you know what I mean. Okay? But if your church experience, and I'm saying this as a good Methodist boy, alright, who grew up in the Methodist church, and and I think that I love John Wesley because, man, you talk about conviction, that man had some people convicted. I mean, he would, he, he was not the greatest orator. He would read his sermons and look up from the, from the, from the paper and people would be on the ground. The Holy Spirit convicts. And see, in the Western church, this is my experience, okay, because I've been to Cuba and I've, I've seen what goes on there. I've been to Brazil. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to India. Uh, I've been to Venezuela. In the Western church, America, where we're so smart, right? And we begin to intellectualize everything. We're, we're, we're surrounded by a sort of a consumer culture where there's all this advertising trying to convince you that you need whatever product. And honestly, many times in the church, the pastor is just, is just desperately trying to advertise Jesus. And so there's no room. There's no expectation that the Holy Spirit is actually going to convict the people. And so there's, there's really no opportunity for people to respond to the conviction. But see, in the early church, the Holy Spirit is expected, because I can't force anybody to be saved or, or to accept the fact that they've sinned and they need to apologize to God for their wrongdoings. That's the Holy Spirit's role. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, because we really need to apologize to God for all that we've done. Righteousness, because Jesus is the Holy One of God and He imputes His righteousness upon us as we repent and believe. And judgment, because He who lives in us is greater than He who lives in the world. And the ruler has al- the rule of the world has already been judged. And we have power by the Holy Spirit now to live a life that is worthy of the calling. So, can that happen today? Well, it happens all over the world. Are you seeing it in your church? Are you seeing it in your environment? Maybe not. Go to Cuba with us. I don't know what else to say. It happens all over the world, but it might not happen in your, in your circle. But it does happen. In Africa, it's happening. I mean, the gospel is flourishing all over the place. I mean, people are just hungry, convicted, coming and crying and realizing that they desperately need to connect with God and, and, and they're lost and they need Jesus. So, this little section now, that was the introduction by the way. <laughs> Everything that happens from verse 37 all the way to verse 47 to the end of this chapter is a, a few... It's just a small snippet of, you know, Luke is writing to this Theophilus guy, a Greek guy, who is basically saying, what in the world is all this about? And so Luke is just explaining. And so here's a little section where Luke explains the characteristics of how the church began. And one of them, the first one was just unbelievable conviction. What do we do? How do do I connect with God? And, And so Peter then begins, so that's the first characteristic of a church that is led by the Holy Spirit is people are convicted on a regular basis. That's point number one. People are convicted on a regular basis. Okay? Not not and remember now, I'm not only talking about conviction of sin. Okay? 
I'm talking about conviction of who Jesus is. Conviction of how we need to make some changes so that we can fulfill the call that God has upon our lives. In other words, when you get saved, you suddenly realize you can't, you can't live the same way you did before. You have to change. So there's conviction. That's, that's the first element of a church that is thriving and, and that is being led of the Holy Spirit. And conviction cannot be manufactured. It's not advertising Jesus. It's a movement of the Holy Spirit. So then as people are convicted, they said, what do we do? Right? And so Peter says, first thing you do is you repent. You be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And that's step one. So, conviction, repentance is another one. That's the other characteristic. Conviction, repentance, and then faith, baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ. So, are people getting saved? I mean, it doesn't have to be 3,000 a day, every day, or anything like that, but are people getting saved? And then, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of churches that, are, that do a great job of all, everything up until that point, right? Like, oh, we're all about preaching Jesus and getting people saved. But, the receive the Holy Spirit part, it just kind of stops there. They don't go to that part. And that's really sad to me because that's actually what the whole chapter is about. Lord have mercy. Peter is explaining why, everybody, why, why people are talking in different tongues. People, Peter, Peter is explaining why 120 people suddenly seem like they're out of their minds. It's because the Holy Spirit now has come upon them and is, and is filling them with gifts and joy and fruits that they couldn't self-manufacture. And so, if you want to be a part of that, then here's a sermon about Jesus, and it was only through Jesus that you can receive this Holy Spirit. So, come and put your faith in Jesus and receive the gift. And, you know, it's just so sad to me in the Western church, I see so much of preaching Jesus, but no, come receive the Spirit. And that's heartbreaking. Because that's the power that we have to live the life that God called us to. So, so I want to say, if you're, if, if, if you're uh, well, I don't want to be unkind here, but I have to say, I believe it in my heart, that if you're a pastor, if you're in a church where the Holy Spirit, there's not an opportunity for people to receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit, then you are missing out on the full gospel. You're shorting the believer. You're shorting the people in your church from actually receiving the full promise that God has for them. So, I want to just encourage you to think about that. I'm not going to force upon you how you have to do it or anything like that, but I do believe that we need to be giving the opportunity of preaching the Holy Spirit and giving people an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, not once a year on Pentecost Sunday, on a regular basis, to receive the Holy Spirit and actually teach people about tongues. You know, if your church isn't ready, do it, do it on a Sunday school to, for, for the base who you think are ready to hear it. Or find some way to get started. 
You'll see the fruits. Amen? So that's another characteristic. So we've got conviction is a characteristic of a thriving church. Repentance, faith, baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? For the promise is unto you. Okay, so now this is where Peter begins to, to say some things to the people to help them understand, begin to form in their minds how this is supposed to work. It's not just for you. It says, but to your children. Now, we have a board here in Rick Bonfield Ministries' office where we have all of our families and all of our children and grandchildren and the names of them written on the board. And we pray for them daily. Why do we do that? Well, we simply... It's, it's not some complicated thing. I mean, we're not trying to... It's not some super spiritual thing. We simply believe that what Peter said is true. That this promise of forgiveness of sins and being filled with the Holy Spirit is for our whole family. And so we are proclaiming and speaking forth that, that promise over our family every day and believing that even though some of our family hasn't received it yet, that they will. That just because they haven't received it doesn't mean that the promise is not for them. The promise is still for everyone in our family. And so we believe in God moving in the midst of a family. And you know, the devil would want to discourage you from uh, believing in that promise and just start to make you think, well, I guess, I don't know why, but I guess, I guess they're just not going to come around. No, no. You have to resist that thought. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And you have to resist the thought that God will not move in the lives of your children and grandchildren and your husband and your brothers and your sisters who have resisted the gospel up to this point. God can move in their hearts. Look at the crowd. The crowd was one that Peter said they are responsible for killing Jesus. They actually were mocking the 120 people who were filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And they are the ones who actually were convicted and saved. So, so do not believe the idea that somebody who resists the gospel and just seems to want to have nothing to do with it and actually scorns and mocks it cannot be converted. Because that's the, that's the job of the Holy Spirit to convict the person. And the Holy Spirit can do that. Can come into the heart of a person who is totally resistant to Jesus totally resistant to Christianity and actually convict them and bring them, soften their hearts and bring them into the place where they're open to the gospel. So don't believe that little nagging lie that comes in and says that they won't change. God can convict them and begin to turn it around. The Holy Spirit, that, the Holy Spirit's good at His job. Really good at it. He can convict. Believe. Proclaim the promise. Take this statement from Peter as a prophetic promise over your family and begin to just pray that way of faith. Say, God, you say this is for my children. I've received it and I know I want them to receive it. So, God, I'm proclaiming it. These are their names and I'm speaking it over them right now, God, that they would receive the promise 
Because it is for them whether they realize it or not. That's enough of that. Pray for your family. But he doesn't limit it. He says to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. What do you mean by call? Well, anybody who's convicted. Anybody who feels that conviction in their heart, it's for you. Meaning, if the Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit's not going to convict you and then not give you the promise. No, no. Okay, so let me, let me tell you where I'm going with this. There's many circles, there's many people, many Christians who say, okay, I like the Holy Spirit. I'm okay with tongues, but it's not for me. And it's, it's fine if other people have it. But the, whole, the, the, the tongues thing, the, you know, all, all of these things that, that, that you do with the gifts of the Spirit and, and whatnot, um, that, I'm not against it, but that's just not for me. Well, Peter says, actually, that if you're called of God, then it's for you. It says, okay, I, if you are called of God, in other words, You can you can have this idea that tongues is not for you, but that doesn't mean that that's true, because the scriptures say that anybody who's called of God, anybody who believes that Jesus is their Savior, can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, receive a prayer language, and be used of God by the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, as presented in First Corinthians chapter twelve. So I believe with all my heart that what Peter says here is that anybody who comes to Jesus for our salvation can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to minister, to pray in tongues yeah. to God, yeah. to prophesy, to pray for healing, to have a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, to discern spirits, to understand situations, and begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit to minister to others. You say, oh, but the fruits are for me. You know, I, 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 I see the Holy Spirit, you know, growing the fruits in me, but, you know, I, I haven't really seen the gifts. I, I guess, oh, that's for other people. No, 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 no. That's the devil trying to rob you of your full potential as a Christian. I, that's just, that's what I see here. Peter says, if you're called, it's for you. So, to say that the Holy Spirit is not for you, is to say that you're not called. But you are called because you believe in Jesus. But the devil's shortchanging you and you swallowed the lie. Anyway, I'll move on for that. So, we, we talked about verse 40 with other words. In other words, it took all day long. From 9 a.m. to... And, and I was asking Betty uh, before... Uh, when, when was Pentecost? You know, so around May, right? Which means long days. Okay? Which means warm, long days. In other words, from 9 a.m., I've got to believe at least until 9 p.m. You know, they're telling people about Jesus, telling people about the Holy Spirit, baptizing people. People are on the floor. There's snot everywhere. I mean, it's basically just a Cuba experience uh, on steroids. You know, just whop! The Holy Spirit came down and 3,000 people joined them. And it just kept going. By the way, uh, just a side note for pastors. 
Uh, you can't have multiple altar calls in one service. Okay, verse 41. <laughs> so they were baptized. About 3,000 were added. Um, so then, now, the sort of the thread of, of this message... Where am I at? Okay. Sort of the thread of this message is, I see Luke here presenting characteristics, just in a short snippet, presenting multiple characteristics of the early church as led by the Holy Spirit, now that the Spirit has come. So we talked about conviction, talked about repentance, we talked about um, uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, we talked about how it is, a, it is for your family, not just for you, but there's prophetic promise that it's for your family. We see that in Cornelius, later in Acts, right? It says, when, when Peter comes into the house of Cornelius and gets just his mind completely explodes when he sees that the Gentiles receive what says the entire household. Everybody in the whole house was saved. So it's for your family and it's for everyone. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And then we have other things that that Luke just sort of gives us characteristics of the early church. And I, I'm so grateful he put this in here because, you know, when you, when you, you read uh, the book of Corinthians, you know, when, when Paul's talking to them and they're just, as Betty says, swinging from the chandeliers, you know, uh, you sort of, there's this excitement in the Holy Spirit and we talk about how you have to lock somebody up for six months when they first baptize with the Holy Spirit because they just, so, but, but Luke says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And I'm so grateful for that because Luke simply is telling Theophilus that it's not just an emotional experience. There is discipleship and there is word and there, there is an expectation that we would adhere to the word of God. So the Holy Spirit coming is actually complementary to the Bible to the Word of God. It's, it's not competition. We don't throw it out. It's, it goes together. And that's one of the characteristics of a healthy church is you study the Word and you believe it as the Word of God and you don't second-guess it and question it and you don't remove verses out of it. I didn't know I was going to say that, but you can't take verses out of the Bible just because you're not sure. Okay, so anyway... They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So, a healthy church is going to adhere to the Word, study the Word, and they continue in fellowship. In other words, it wasn't just you in your room reading the Bible and deciding what you think about the Bible. I mean, that's dangerous. It's fellowship. So, community is another characteristic of a healthy church. Community that is studying the Word, that is praying for each other, that is believing for each other, what else did they do? And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Oh, so so a healthy. Oh, did I skip that? Breaking of bread and prayer. So they're together. They're community, right? They're encouraging one another. They're speaking over one another. They're sharing life. They're 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 working things out together. They're they're selling possessions so that, in other words, suddenly. You know, material things and stuff of this world doesn't mean... They, they begin to change. Oh, that's interesting. The life that they had before, now they change. They begin to sell things to help others. They begin to give. They begin to serve. 
They begin to have community and fellowship and they pray for one another. Oh, and there's, wait a second, there's signs and wonders? A healthy church is going to see some signs and wonders from time to time. A healthy church is going to see some signs and wonders from time to time. I believe that with all my heart. Some miracles will happen in a healthy church as we believe and pray for them. It's not, it's not just about going to Wednesday night suppers. Even though, man, I, God, I remember the fried chicken growing up in LaGrange, Georgia, Troop County. Those ladies could cook some fried chicken and green bean casserole and macaroni and cheese. I mean, that was it. I couldn't wait for it as a kid. But now that I'm older and I look at it, that was good. That was good community, you know. But we need some signs and wonders. We need to believe in it, ask for it, seek for it. And the Western church isn't open to that as much as they used to be, right? It may have happened in the beginning. You have the Great Awakenings. You have Azusa Street and those sorts of things. You have the, uh, the, the Brown, uh, Brownsville? Brownsville. Brownsville Revival. Um, <clears throat> there's a, vi- a revival up in North Georgia. And I don't know if it's still going on. I can't remember the name of the church where people are, they, 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 people are being baptized in the middle of the night. You had the Bible leaking oil in Dalton, Georgia for about three years. It finally stopped. So there's some things happening, but, but in many ways the Western church has decided to intellectualize Christianity and decide that signs and wonders, we don't need it anymore. But I tell you, man, if I don't have a sign or a wonder in my life every now and then, you know, just, I got no hope. Because then I, what am I depending on? I'm depending on my own, what, my own ability to muster up some sort of spiritual piety, God help me. I can't do that. That will kill me. I need a sign. I need a wonder. I need to see that God is moving. I need to see that God is moving in my kids' lives. You know? Because, you know, I'm trying to invest in my children. Okay? But, I've got to see God move in their lives. Because if, if I'm speaking over my kids and I'm investing in them and, and I just and I hear them, you can tell when, when, when they're just repeating what they've been told, and you can tell when God has actually spoken to them. You know, I can, I can tell the and and there's been times with my kids where I've seen that they, they just sort of repeated what they've heard, and that's fine. And then there there have been times when I've seen something's come out of their mouth and God God was speaking to them, even at an early age. And that's what I'm looking for because I don't, I don't want them to just repeat what I'm telling them. I want them to have an experience with God. That's a sign and a wonder to me. When one of my kids says, you know, God can do whatever He wants, but He asks us to help Him. That's pretty cool, you know, to hear one of your kids say that. So believe in signs and wonders and ask for it. And all who believed were together, had all things in common, sold their possessions in good, and part of them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So that's uh, sort of the end of this section. This is sort of the the inauguration of the the Christian church was constant growth, a lot of peace, and a lot of joy. 
In chapter 3, we're going to start getting into the, the first story that Luke presents of resistance. Okay? So, uh, we do have to learn, as a church, how to respond to resistance. And, I'm, and, and that's, uh, I think, one of the reasons Luke begins. He ends by saying, a healthy church is going to have all these characteristics. You know, and it's, it might look different, you know. But there's going to be conviction. There's going to be repentance. There's going to be salvation. There's going to be filling with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be families who are totally transformed and saved. There's going to be signs and wonders. There's going to be community. There's going to be deep Bible studies in the Word that are led by the Holy Spirit and not just our minds making stuff up. <laughs> there's going to be prayer. There's going to be breaking of bread together. There's going to be helping the poor and the needy. And there's going to be a lot of joy. There's going to be a lot of praising God. There's going to be worship. There's going to be all these things in a healthy church. And, and, and it's not all pie in the sky. We're going to get into the struggle as Christians that we do have to resist and we're going to have to fight for the kingdom. Sure. But Luke says, listen, the church is going to have some, some characteristics, a healthy church. So pray. Ask God, where are you at? Where's your church? If you're in the Atlanta area and, and, and you don't think you're really in a place where you're experiencing, come tonight, Thursday night. Begin to come on Thursday night, 7 p.m. at Hammond Drive. There's a Hampton Inn right there. And, uh, and not, not to say I'm asking you to leave your church. Maybe God has you there for a purpose. But maybe you need to be in a community. That Not to say you're going to come there and, and uh, all these crazy things are going to happen. But we're at least seeking it. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. We're asking God to, to empower us with the gifts. So come and, and just be a part. Thursday, Thursday nights at 7 p.m. We'll pray for you, and hopefully you'll be blessed. But ask God where you're at. Ask God if you're in a place where you're seeking Him. Ask God if there's a way that you need to pray differently for your family, for your children. Have your prayers been sputtering out? Have you been getting discouraged? Has the devil's lies been coming in and saying that there's no hope? Begin to believe the promises that God has for you and for your family and seek Him with your whole heart, and you will find Him. You will. That's a promise. Thank you for listening this morning. Stay, stay tuned for some more teachings that will be coming your way this morning. Tune in tonight at 7 p.m. on lotterain.com to, to worship with us as Pastor Kyung comes. And also tune in again tomorrow morning to hear Pastor Frank Capel to continue our series in the book of Acts. Have a great day. Hey!